Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us back for the study ongoing that we're doing here about what it means to keep Yahweh's Torah. And we have started examining the Hebrew word shamer. And um, this is quite an intriguing topic, I find, for anybody who has ears to hear and the willingness to just sit down and talk about, according to the word alone, is it possible that we have inherited a belief system that has errantly told us that there is no more keeping Yahweh's ways um, or that somehow they have changed? And, and so in the first part, we talked about how there's a principle, I believe, that we see when we study the word rightly from cover to cover, that those who are keeping Yahweh's ways are kept by them, that the covenant understanding and language that we see in the Bible shows us that our Father is a covenant, a covenant-keeping Father, and His ways are perfect, and His Torah is is a lamp and a light, and it's 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 flawless, it's perfect, it's it's all these things. And the question that I, I desire for us to just continually keep um, putting into our our thought is, maybe I've misunderstood this this shifting of dispensational dispensational teaching that's told me that what was preceding me that 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 I'm beginning to maybe wonder is if it's perfect and if it revives my soul and if it's if it's all these things covenant language am I sure that that I'm not supposed to be tending to it at all now guarding it keeping it yet still um, and so we talked about those who um, keep are kept. And, and we concluded with a whole list of scriptures, just reading the Bible, and concluded with Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, which says, O Yahweh, the great and awesome Elohim, who keeps his covenant and faithfulness for those who love him and keep his commandments. There are prerequisites. There always have been. There always um, will be um, covenantal prerequisites. Um, that need to be met and need to be discussed at, at, at the very least. And so what we're going to talk about now is, okay, well, what does that mean, though, for those of us who are in Jesus? I don't say the name Jesus. That's a whole another four-hour discussion. But for those of us who are in the new covenant that is spoken of in, in the entirety of the word, word um, it's in Deuteronomy, it's in Ezekiel, the prophesied relocation of the Torah. We'll talk about that, of course, as well, even though that becomes redundant around here. We are going to talk about the prophecies of what the new covenant even is and a relocation of Yahweh's Torah upon the hearts of men. And so accordingly, we, we have to talk about this, this question um, uh, that is this component of, of the overreaching um, Shamer study, which is Yeshua did away with, abolished the Torah, right? <laughs> it's purposely a, a, a little bit of a pause and a question. And so so we who have esteemed the ancient way um, that Yeshua perfectly walked in, I, I had a conversation again recently about like, well, Yeshua, Jesus, didn't sin. Well, what did that mean? Well, he didn't, he didn't break Yahweh's Torah commands. The, the best living example we have ever had and ever will have on the, on the earth, the perfect one, Yeshua was the epitome of keeping, guarding, preserving, treasuring his father's Torah. <laughs> that is, that is, if we could say this in one way, and it would be totally accurate according to the word. 
What gave Yeshua the ability to be the sinless Messiah that he was and became the great high priest now seated in the heavenlies as a mediator between Yahweh and men was he kept Yahweh's Torah by the proper understanding of Shamer. He was our one true example, as we talk about um, with regularity. Um, but those of us who believe that, that Yeshua did this perfectly, according to ancient way understanding, we often make the connection that Yahweh is found regularly defining love as obedience to his Torah. This is an Older Testament principle. Example after example, which kicks us back to our first part, which is the, the if you and when you, I will, covenant language. That is what defined and set apart and set a mark upon Yahweh's set apart, holy, consecrated people were they were the ones who obeyed him. They obeyed his voice. They obeyed his commands. And so, although most of us have been taught, of course, I understand this is me for, for the majority of my life, that that was for the Jews and was merely outward, um, heartless works. Um, but now we somehow in, in Jesus have a whole new set of laws to live within, um, or more appropriately stated, I would say, we have no laws at all. Um, we're free. We, we walk by the Spirit now. The Spirit will tell us what is right and what is wrong through the conviction of Holy Spirit. Um, and it's all about the heart now. So let's talk about that point because that goes just, that runs in the sidecar of Yeshua doing away with um, Father's Torah. Is we're heart people now. We are moved by the Spirit now. Those people were law and under a burdensome condition that they could not bear. I've heard that, of course. We'll, we'll tackle that one, too. We have to. Um, but first of all, let's just run to the Word. The Torah itself always speaks of the hearts of men, okay? And here, here we go back to our point of, like, a lot of what we operate out of is just mere ignorance. It's just ignorance. We literally, we have just not heard. We are not aware of. We're ignorant. Well, many of us were raised with New Testament belief systems, and and literally 99 out of 100 times you go and you talk about and study the Gospels. You study Acts. You look at Revelation, maybe, and try to understand eschatology. But you don't really... The Older Testament is historical. It just kind of gives you some ideas of how men did it right back then. But there's a, a great disconnect, I would suggest, towards like understanding in fullness that the Older Testament is full of language that always pointed to and points to now the hearts of men. Such as uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, um, verse 1, and then we're going to skip down and read verse 13 for the sake of time. Just a couple examples for context. Therefore, you are to love Yahweh your Elohim and keep Shamer his charge, keep his statutes, keep his ordinances, keep his commands at all times. Now, if you listen obediently to my commands that I am commanding you today to love Yahweh, your Elohim, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will. Okay, and this, this is why all these things are intimately connected, because this is just what we talked about before, about those who are kept, who keep are kept, which is now we've moved it over to, okay, well, what about now for us in, in Yeshua on this side of the new covenant, at least in part, 
what about now? What do we do with these things now? Because there are biblical definitions that I believe Newer Testament and Older have to agree upon. They have to establish an agreement of foundation and principles built upon the foundation. And so there, there are examples of how you love Yahweh that we're beginning to um, get into right here. You are to love him and keep his charge, statutes, ordinances, commandments at all times. And if you listen obediently to his commands, um, to love him and to serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will do these things. Criteria, prerequisites. But according to the record of what Yeshua said, though, because, again, to our point today, is this still so? Is this still... is? Okay, here's a good question. Is obeying the Son the same as obeying the Father? It's a good question. Perhaps we should have made that a section segment of this overall study. Is obeying Yeshua, Jesus, the Son of Elohim, do we obey him the same way we obey the Father? Do we obey Jesus, I'm trying to be inclusive, in a fair and right sense, and understanding and patient? Do we obey the Son of Elohim today the same way those who preceded us thousands of years ago obeyed Yahweh his Father? It's a very good question, I believe, for us to ponder on and see if we have a scriptural answer. Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll formulate one here if you don't have one now. But according to the record of what Yeshua said, is this the case, that there is some differing epoch of time that we live in now, where somehow now we live for Jesus differently than the thousands of the set-apart, holy men of faith worshipped and honored and obeyed Yahweh who preceded the Son's coming? Did Yeshua promote a new religion that is somehow just different? Um, than what his father said he wanted? <laughs> Did he eradicate the principle that was established by his father? Did he perfectly keep Shamer, Torah, Yeshua, which we have to say, yes, he absolutely did. Um, but did he do that so that we who walk, who are called to walk in his likeness just don't have to now? If so, if so, if we would say yes, he fulfilled it, he accomplished it so that we don't now, if that's true, then how do we today know for certain how to walk like our Messiah? If our Messiah kept Shamer, Yahweh's Torah, to perfection, and that was what defined his sinlessness, which gave him the right to become great high priest, Savior, Deliverer, Rescuer, all these functions he fulfilled, if that's how he did it, and then he said, go and do likewise, and if you walk like me and speak like I spoke, you will do this and even greater. Are we saying now that we do not have to be like Yeshua, the Son, towards the Father the way the Son was towards the Father? That there's somehow some other way to be like Yeshua even though we know that Yeshua fulfilled his father's Torah perfectly. So how do we do it then, is the question. How do we be like Messiah then? Well, you walk by the Spirit. Okay, well, what does the Spirit say? The Spirit speaks truth. The Spirit speaks what is in the Scriptures, which is profitable for teaching, correction, leads us to righteousness. Okay?
How do we literally walk like Yeshua if the Torah has been done away with and removed for those who follow in his likeness as the firstborn of many brethren? So it's a question to consider. A question to uh, uh, consider here. So let's read some things that Yeshua said then to help us maybe gain a little bit of um, understanding in the train of thought. These are verses you're familiar with, but I'm trying to place them in a train of thought to put them all together because they have to be congruent. They have to work together. Yeshua did not come, in my opinion, to establish a new way of life, a new religion. John chapter 14, verse 15, we know this. If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, okay? If you love the Son, you will keep his commandments, okay? Fair enough. John 14, 21. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the ones who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will reveal myself to him. Pause. This is why I think there's a revelation to be had for any for the few who are willing there there's thousands but i mean like as far as the whole goes it's few in number who are willing to say you know what maybe the christian catholic jesus that i've been handed the protestant jesus is different than the yeshua of the bible maybe the rabbinical teacher the jewish man named yeshua who says yahweh is salvation. Maybe he's different than the Jesus I've inherited. I'm seeing that change people's lives, friend. It continues to change mine. Because he says, I will reveal. Uh, another version says, I will disclose myself. To who? To him. Who is he? Who is the one that Yeshua will disclose and reveal himself to? To the one who has my commandments and keeps them. Shamer, same equivalent in the Greek. This is the one who loves me. I know this one loves me because he keeps my commands. And he will be loved by the Father. And guess what? I'm going to reveal myself to this one. Okay? John 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I remain in his love. This may be an answer to our question, would you consider? That I just asked, how do we remain in, in, in the same level of obedience that the Son did? I believe he told us in John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love. Okay, and by the way, that's how I kept my, father, my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Because they're the same. Because they're the same. And here we are again. We are invited by Yeshua and, and, and other writers to walk like Messiah walked, friend. To do what he did and not do what he did not do. He did not eat pork. He tied on tassels. He obeyed the Father's Torah commands to the utmost. Did he or did he not? Well, yeah, he did. Okay, if you do what I did... You will be like me, and if you're like me, you will be presented to the Father because me and the Father are one. Because I only do what he says, and I'm a suffering servant who laid down my own will for his. And so if you want to do that, friend, this is how you do it. I believe that's what this is saying. And if, therefore, if Yeshua spoke new commands, new in the sense of our English understanding of like it just appeared out of nowhere, 
And if he changed how man is to live, wouldn't we have been told by the prophets? Wouldn't it have been announced that he would do such a thing? That Messiah, who will come and be the Redeemer and all these prophecies, would not the prophets have told us that there, in fact, would be a man who would fulfill all the requirements of the Messiah, and he will abolish Yahweh's Torah? You'll know there will be a marker upon this Messiah, the son of Elohim. One of the, one of the things you will know him by, according to, is he will change Yahweh's ways. He will have his own. He will present a new way to live. Okay? Wouldn't that make sense? It has to be. The, no, Yahweh does nothing without first declaring it through his prophets to his prophets. It has to be recorded. It has to be announced in the prophecies about Messiah fulfilling those requirements that, that Christianity says Jesus has done, which is eradicate Yahweh's Torah and created his own commands that now we just do this instead of this. So wouldn't the prophets first and then Yeshua himself have told us? Now listen, forget the Torah of my father. I've abolished that in the sense of I've done away with it. I have new laws now. But instead of that, we read this in John chapter 14, verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father dwelling in me does his works. Friend, you have to embrace that Yeshua, Jesus, was merely a vessel of Father's salvation. I know people don't like saying that. They don't like hearing it. They don't like even entertaining. You're demeaning, you're demeaning the Son of God. No, friend, I'm posturing to be who He tells me He is, which is subor subordinate to Father's commands. Submitted entirely. I don't speak my own words. I don't have an opinion here. I'm only here to be a vessel of Yahweh's Yeshua, <laughs> extended to men. Okay, And by doing so, he accomplished what no man preceding him chose to do. Not that they could not do it, they would not do it. Okay, So can we not rightly presume that his commands, Yeshua's, would fall under the category of his words? Okay, Would you not say that Father's commands were equal to Father's words? Okay, interchangeable? Or do we extract, well... Yeshua's words that he spoke could not be Yahweh's commands because he had his own words and commands. He never, ever taught us that. He never, ever told us that he had his own um, religion or idea or even new church to implement. He never told us that. Wouldn't all of the commands that he spoke also be merely reiterations of his father? Yes. His commands were his father's commands. They were absolutely, perfectly inseparable and synonymous. After all, again, to use his words, and we could go through all the accounts that say this, he did not ever speak on his own initiative. He only spoke what his father spoke. And it was never declared through the prophets that the prophesied Messiah would come and eradicate Yahweh's Torah. Never, never once. Okay, John chapter 14, he says this, The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, <laughs> but instead it's the Father's who sent me. 
Deuteronomy 13, this is where this point will come to a culmination. This uh, part will be shorter. Now, Deuteronomy 13 speaks of what we could call messianic criteria. And that's, this includes Messiah must absolutely promote Yahweh's Torah commands. He must approve and endorse and promote Yahweh's ways. It is prophesied scriptural criteria. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let's follow other Elohim, other gods whom you've not known, and let's serve them. Okay, and why would I say that? We have to understand and be willing, and this is a question only you can answer. Are you willing, again, I kind of said this earlier, to say that maybe, maybe, the Jesus of Christianity that was filtered through Catholic doctrine that became Protestant promotes a different set of rules, a different order of who's where and preeminence and, and functionality and purpose and, and criteria. It promotes a new religion. I would say it's a new Elohim. It's an other Elohim. That's what Paul, Shaul, was always talking about. Be careful. If somebody comes to you preaching another Messiah, don't listen, man. Run like the wind. Friends, all around, everywhere you look, you see a Messiah who is divorced from his, his own father's commands. He, is, he has become... We'll get to this, and this one hurts, and I'll just say it, and I'll run like the wind myself. He's promoted a lawless behavior, the, the Jesus of this age, a, law, a man of lawlessness. That's, that's what this means, right? No law. There, there's no law. As we talk about, Yeshua did away with the law, right? That's what we've inherited. That's what we've been told. I'm asking according to the scripture, according to the prophecies, through the Torah and the prophets, is that true? That that's what the, the Messiah biblically, scripturally, was required and defined by, required to do and defined by. He will come and he will remove Yahweh's Torah because the Torah was for the Jews and, and the Messiah will come and he will give a new way to live. But yet we don't see that. We don't see that prophesied ever, and we don't see Yeshua speaking that ever either. Okay? So let's follow other Elohim and let's serve them. This says Deuteronomy chapter 13. But you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. Why? For Yahweh your Elohim is testing you to find out whether you love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart. Here we are again. It's a heart issue. And with all your soul, your innermost being, you shall follow Yahweh your Elohim and fear him. And you shall keep, guard, shamer, his commandments. Listen to his voice. Serve him and cling to him. So, friend, let's put all this together, and then we'll have a conclusion on this part here. Listen to his voice, Yahweh's voice. Okay? In what ways, in your understanding, does Yahweh's voice promotes something different than Yeshua's voice. In, the, in your belief system today, do the words of Jesus disagree in any way, doctrinally speaking, with the commandments and ways of his Father? 
Because if you believe in mainstream Christianity, mainstream Christian doctrine, that Jesus came and became something different that Yahweh could not do or did not do already, friend, you're embracing a false gospel. Because whether you would say it that way or not, most Christians live according to Jesus implementing a new religion, a new way to live, a new commandment um, set of orders and laws to keep, guard, preserve, that he incited himself because that was his purpose. I would submit for consideration only through the scriptures now. He would then be disqualified from the Deuteronomy 13 test. He would no longer be a candidate because the Jesus that we know now has been exalted over Yahweh Elohim. He's been, he has dethroned his father. It's all about the cross now. The Jews had the scary Yahweh and the burdensome law. We have, whew, thankfully, freedom in Jesus. New religion, no law. And again, I have to knock on this because we're going to get there. That's the man of lawlessness, friend. That is prophesied. That is predicted. A man of lawlessness will come into the scene and be exalted. And he will say, you know what? Don't be listening to commands. Do, do what you feel is right, friend. Translated, do what the Spirit says. That hurts, I know. Just be a Spirit-led man. Okay, well, somebody needs to tell me who's confirming what the Spirit's saying. Because if you can't show me in the Torah and the prophets with two witnesses, then, man, I've got no ears for what the Spirit is telling you. And I know that's hurtful to many people. I'm not intending it to be that way, but it just is. It's just offensive. So again, does Yeshua, does the Jesus that you follow, worship, know, claim to walk in the likeness of, does he fit the Deuteronomy 13 criteria? We have to know. In other words, according to Scripture, the true Messiah will point men to Yahweh's Torah, not away from it. He will promote keeping Shamer, guarding forever Yahweh's Torah, not take you away from it. To answer our question about Yeshua did away with that, right? Not if he fits the Deuteronomy 13 criteria. Adherence to, not abandoning of. Yeshua clearly stated things like this to make it abundantly clear that despite the accusations against him, that he was deemed innocent of, mind you, <laughs> he was the prophesied one that pointed every human being to his father. <laughs> when, when the non-believing um, leaders, teachers, teachers of the law, when the non-believing Pharisees brought accusations up against Yeshua, they were all unwarranted when they brought up the accusations of him breaking Torah. I am amazed at how many people have become convinced, and I shouldn't be amazed and shocked, that was me my whole life, but even when you show them like scriptural only evidence, only the word, not my opinion, that these were unwarranted accusations. Yeshua was never guilty of breaking the Sabbath. They were never, his disciples were never guilty of breaking the Sabbath. They would never stop shamering, keeping the Sabbath and the Torah. They would never do that. that. But because we're ignorant, we think that Yeshua was taught to us, Jesus was taught to us to be above the Torah. 
He didn't care about that Torah. Don't you know who I am? I'm the son of God, you know. You Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. Well, the accusations brought to Yeshua that he was breaking were their Talmudic laws that they, they invented. They were man-made laws. They were not the laws of his father. He would have been a lawbreaker, and he would not have been Messiah. Disqualified. He would have broken Deuteronomy 13's criteria, and he could not be Messiah. So, of course, it's ludicrous to propose he was a breaker of Yahweh's Torah and Sabbath and all these things. He kept to the utmost, which gave him the right to become our one true example. Okay? He made it clear, as we'll read here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. I tell you, just in case you're wondering, okay, this is what he told everyone. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or serif, which is a jot or tittle, depending on how you've learned it, shall ever pass away from what? <laughs> from the Torah. Until all things come to pass. Friend, have all things come to pass? Well, he was just talking about his life until he went to the cross. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Let's not make the scripture fit our own belief system. It says until all things come to pass. Okay? No, they have not all come to pass. All right? Let's just let the word tell us what is true and what is not. Lastly, without delving into more depths of, of proving who is the prophesied Messiah, according to the prophecy, let's remember Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one destined to be destroyed. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called Elohim or object of worship so that he sits in the temple of Elohim, proclaiming himself that he is Elohim. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not interested in that. That's not my point. But I am willing to step on toes to say, friend, is the Jesus that you follow fitting the criteria of this warning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? Has the Jesus of modern Christianity taught us that we no longer have to guard, love, treasure, value, and preserve his own father's Torah laws, his own father's ways to live, ways to live, friend, which, again, we are told are perfect, reviving our soul. If the Jesus that any one of us worships proclaims that he himself is Elohim above his Father, we have got to sit down and be willing to scour the word of Elohim and say, am I worshiping a false deity? Am I following a false god? And friend, that is, that is a sober consideration. And I know that hurts so many people because you're saying, are you saying I don't know God? We have to ask that question. And I'm finding only those people who really want to know that they know that they know that they know at all costs are willing to answer that question and to sit down and think about it for a month. And if you're not, friend, I would be very concerned. I know Jesus. 
He cannot be a man of lawlessness. Okay, well, does the Jesus that you worship promote the abandoning of Yahweh's Torah? Yahweh's law, his commandments, his statutes, his ways, his character. Next up, right off of this, we're going to talk about a, a segment we're going to call some things we say in ignorance when we talk about the Torah. It's a perfect order to me. I hope this makes sense, friend. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not interested in hurting people. I'm not. Why would I want to do that? Other than I want Yeshua to get his proper esteem and his proper place, and I want the Father to be seated over all of this and rightfully allow the Word to teach us how to do what he is asking of us. For our own good, too. The blessings and not curses. For his set-apart, consecrated people. So we're talking about what it means to keep Yahweh's Torah. How do we shamer and guard his wonderful ways, friend? I believe it's good for us to figure out. And if we don't know yet, let's start. Let's be willing to start. And if we're on step 10, let's make sure we're going to 11, 11 and 12. Okay? You're watching the Path Design Podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. It's a beautiful one. I, I, it's wonderful. I don't know how to deliver it in the beautiful package that it is. I'm doing my best. So please consider what the Word says and test all of this through here. Everything I'm saying, dedicate time to it, uh, please. Don't just say yes or no right on the fly. Consider, please. Find us at pathdesign.com. Reach out to us if you want to engage in any discussion about this. Thank you for watching. We'll be back for the third part of what it means to keep Shamer, Yahweh's Torah, right after this. Amen.